Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Is in the news, and it's been in the news too much. Uh, if you are uh, someone who is concerned about Minneapolis being a safe place, another string of armed robberies, and joining us now on the John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline to talk about this is uh, Police Chief Brian O'Hara, the chief, chief of Minneapolis, who joins us from time to time, and we love to have him on because uh, his frustrations are evident usually when he joins us, and I'm sure that'll be the case today. Chief, thank you so much for the time. Um, I've seen news reports that some of these juveniles who were part of the string of robberies yesterday had been involved in similar crimes earlier, possibly in the same month. Can you confirm that? Is that true? Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, we do. Uh, we have been doing a whole lot of work since we had this uh, robbery spree first start um, about two weeks ago on mm-hmm. the weekend. Was really the worst of it. Um, and we believe that there is more than one group uh, of juveniles involved. And our investigators have really just been doing an amazing job around the clock working to identify uh, as many of these juveniles as they can that are involved. Uh, and yes, uh, last night we made three arrests. Um, that is the result of uh, some really outstanding police work. Uh, it's an incredibly challenging task to deal with groups of juveniles who are going around committing robberies, uh, you know, yesterday morning, four in less than 20 minutes. Um, it's, it's, it's very, very challenging, but uh, we saw the results of really dedicated, great police work last night. And yes, two out of three uh, suspects that we arrested, uh, the investigators had already identified. Um, so I know, uh, you know, we're going to continue working this. It takes time to build evidence, to build cases. Um, but we, uh, there, there, I am very confident there will be a number of uh, further arrests as we go forward. Chief, when you say two out of the three had already been identified, does that mean they had been taken into custody previously? I'm not going to get into specifics, uh, but I can say, uh, you know, even prior to this, um, you know, the vast majority of the kids that we are dealing with are known to us. Uh, so when I say that, I say I mean that we have taken them into custody uh, for crimes before, and it's everything from auto theft to, in some cases, uh, you know, robbery and carjacking and gun crimes. You know, last night uh, our officers, uh, you know, immediately, uh, you know, implemented our new robbery response protocol, uh, went all hands on deck, and that's the only reason why we were able to uh, stop that spree last night and to make some arrests. They recovered a, a handgun that was used. They recovered a, a carjacked vehicle that had just been carjacked at gunpoint uh, in Northeast. And and I, I really have to say this uh, this was literally all hands on deck. I mean, we had help last night from Metro Transit, from the Sheriff's Office, 
the state patrol helicopter was up in the air uh, that really helped us uh, put an end to this. So I'm just I'm thankful uh, for everyone that came together and that has been working hard in this. And I know there is going to continue to be a lot of hard work ahead so we can get these kids off the street. That's it, though. I mean, and I don't doubt that. And I, I, I've, I'm so appreciative of your officers and the cooperation that you're getting. But when you say that some of these kids have been taken into custody before for violent crimes, I think a lot of people are wondering, how is it that they're still out there allowed to do this? What is your answer to that? Well, that's not, uh, you know, that's not the role of the police. Uh, the best that we can do uh, is we can take action and do our job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there is probable cause to make arrests and to take people into custody. Uh, it gets particularly difficult the further we go down this road. Uh, you know, the, the greater the volume of crimes that these kids are committing, the more seriousness that these crimes are committing. It becomes increasingly challenging for us to be able to meet the threshold uh, to bring charges in all these cases. I mean, if you, if you think about it, you know, what we're talking about here, what happened yesterday is groups of juveniles, you know, anywhere from three to six, going up and within seconds, putting a gun in somebody's face, robbing them, robbing a woman of, of her purse, of her cell phone, uh, a fanny pack, those types of things, and then it's over. Um, so unless, like last night, we caught them fleeing that carjacking uh, and recovered it, uh, but unless something like that happens, it's particularly difficult for victims to be able to remember and identify suspects, uh, especially when they're wearing masks. Uh, you know, that's why we always want to reiterate with folks, uh, you know, number one, the most important thing is is your life and your safety. So, you know, property can be replaced. People should remember that. But also, if possible, try and remember any distinguishing character characteristics uh, about about people involved. Try and get a license plate if you can, because those are all the types of things that we need uh, ultimately to try and build a case. I, I'm glad you brought that up because we're getting a lot of texts too from people who's like, "What what can people do to a lessen their chances of being a victim?" But b uh, in that circumstance, what is the best thing they should do? Well, we do need people to be alert, and we need all people to be alert, uh, really. Um, you know, what we have seen and what, thankfully, what some folks did yesterday uh, is they observed, you know, groups of kids in cars that they thought maybe were stolen, uh, kind of circling the neighborhood as if they were casing and, and kind of looking for a suitable victim. And we did get some calls, and that helped uh, kind of point us in the right direction. Um, and that's what we need. And, and people individually just you know, just being aware of your surroundings, uh, you know, as you're driving in traffic or, or, and so on, if possible, try not to put yourself in a position where you can easily be blocked in and not be able to escape. Uh, just be alert of your surroundings uh, as best as possible. And again, you know, if something does happen, remember that property can be replaced. As somebody who's covered news in this town for a couple of decades now, knowing about um, youth crime, I've heard over and over again that you know the, the juveniles who commit these crimes nowadays are different than maybe juveniles 10, 20 years ago who did when there was kind of a gang structure, a hierarchy, and that these juveniles nowadays are just basically uh, roam, roaming gangs of kids. It, can you explain is is that or are these are these more organized than we might think? 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Um, you, you know, I, I can I can offer some facts uh, to me that are disturbing. Uh, I think in general uh, we're seeing younger kids involved, maybe a year, a year and a half uh, younger in crimes than what we had seen in the past. How young? Uh, I, believe, I believe one of the kids last night uh, arrested is twelve years old, <laughs> and I don't think that's his first. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm certain it's not his first uh, you know interaction with the police. Um, and that's that's been happening, you know, the last 15 months I've been here as the police chief. I had a 12-year-old that was the victim of a shooting twice within one month in between fleeing police uh, in a stolen car. Um, and, and so while it is not, um, it's not like it's a larger group of proportion of juveniles involved in crime than what had been in the past, I do think it's true, particularly with what we've seen, uh, you know, over the last two years with this whole Kia and Rob, uh, Kia and Hyundai's, you know, joyriding epidemic, is these kids have become uh, more active, more frequently involved in crime. And I think, in a lot of ways, it is just a fact that what has happened is, you know, police have taken uh, a lot of these kids into custody repeatedly, joyriding in stolen cars, um, and and they have learned that there isn't real consequences from that. Uh, so I do think to some degree it has become uh, a learned behavior. That's something that we've been fighting against uh, the entire time, uh, trying to figure out ways, uh, you know, to, to ensure that these kids are held as best we can, uh, you know, prior to these things uh, becoming so serious. Because, again, you know, once you get kids that are involved in now a string, a pattern of armed robberies, you know, six during the day yesterday, eight at night, that's a whole lot of cases to work through uh, to try and build evidence to charge. Talking to Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara, you mentioned the lack of consequences. Um, who is mainly at fault for that? Because we got a lot of texts coming in. I know you have to work with the county attorney to build these cases, and your officers have to do their work to hand to her to deliver on prosecuting these cases. Do you feel you've got uh, her full support and that she's doing what she can to stop this? I do feel uh, like all of law enforcement collectively is doing everything that we can. I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the system here has problems larger than any one individual piece of it. Um, and again, there was just there was an article in the paper over the weekend about a whole series of recommendations of things that need to be done to fix, uh, you know, and try and prevent juvenile crime. Um, but what is my responsibility as the police chief is to handle these very serious crimes as urgently as possible and to make sure that the police department is doing everything on our end to make arrests and try and take these kids off the street. Uh, and then there's a whole lot of other elements of government that are involved beyond that. Um, but again, you know, one of the, one of the initial uh, beyond making an arrest, getting these kids charged is particularly difficult and it gets even more and more difficult uh, you know, the, the, the more serious these crimes get and the higher volume of crimes that we have uh, involved. That seems bizarre to me that the, the, the higher the level of crime, the more difficult it would be to charge uh, these juveniles. Why is that? Uh, because these are very serious crimes. Yeah. Uh, just, just like I mentioned, um, you know, 
and again, like, I mean, just look at the volume of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, this takes evidence. You know, we have to, uh, you know, we have to try and build cases. There's stuff that, uh, you know, there's, you know, essentially we can make arrests for probable cause, sure. Uh, but if we want people charged and ultimately convicted, the standard is much higher. And I think uh, just the public in general has an expectation that we have, you know, being there is so much technology available that there is, you know, all sorts of video and DNA and, and uh, you know, GPS data available on people, on victims and suspects that we have kind of a, a higher, higher threshold. And again, just, you know, from the most basic uh, concept of this, when someone is robbed at gunpoint, being able to have a victim that can identify, that's extremely difficult uh, in these circumstances, especially when people are being swarmed with a group of juveniles for something that is over in less than a minute. And the juveniles, you know, as shown yesterday, are, are messed up as well. If you, you mentioned the article in the paper about it, many suggestions. If, you, if they came to you and said, Chief, what's one thing we can do right now that would have an impact, what would, what would that be? What would be the top priority for you? When police make arrests and have probable cause to make arrests, whether these kids are in stolen cars, uh, fleeing from the police from the scene of a violent crime in a vehicle that's wanted for a felony, that these kids will be held, that it will not be something, uh, you know, with so many, there, there just are, the system does have a whole lot of hoops to jump through. Um, it, it cannot be a situation where we're in catch and release just because, uh, you know, the, the threshold ultimately uh, is just so high to overcome. Um, you know, we have to recognize the reality of the situation that we're in. Six robberies in the morning, another eight in the evening happening within minutes. Um, when police are able to make an arrest, we do have someone fleeing police in a stall car, in a carjacked vehicle. Um, I, I, I think that should just be enough. Uh, and we have to at least hold these kids for a little while uh, as best we can to give the police time and investigators time to, to further build out the case. So is that would that mean law changes? So in other words, the people who are critical of Mary Moriarty is she being unfairly criticized because she's just adhering to the laws? I think uh, some of it has to do with law. Some of it has to do with procedures. It's it's more than just the county attorney's office involved. It's you know uh, it's the corrections uh, in in the state and how we deal things. And we've tried and have been trying and have been working with all of our partners as best we can to work through these things, to try and find additional ways. We have gotten help uh, from assisting uh, prosecutors in figuring out, you know, different ways as we're going through this, uh, things that can be added to the case to try and hold uh, some of these very, very active uh, juveniles who are causing serious harm, try and hold them uh, somewhat longer. But I think, uh, I don't think the system here is unique dealing with juveniles. I think this is something that's been happening nationally, uh, where it is increasingly difficult um, to hold kids even for a, a short period of time uh, when they are arrested and suspected in, in, in causing some serious harm. Lastly, Chief, before I let you go, and thank you for the time, um, this is the first chance I've had to talk to you since what happened uh, last weekend in Burnsville, and I know you were very a vocal at the time when we were out at the Hennepin County Medical Center when those officers and that paramedic were, were brought there. Uh, another reminder of, of the dangers of your profession, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to reflect on that. Um, yes, um, and it's, it's, it's very close to home. Our heart goes out to everyone, uh, Burnsville Police, the Burnsville Fire Department, um, the entire community there, the families who have made this sacrifice of their first responders, and our sergeant, uh, who was shot and is recovering at home, it's, uh, it's a lot. 
They, I have learned that the law enforcement community here in Minnesota is very small in that there's a lot of uh, people who work in this police department who know and, and have relationship with people who have been directly affected, in some cases taught uh, at school or worked with uh, some of the officers directly involved. So um, particularly at a time where you know we've all lived through so much over the last three and a half years uh, and at a time where BCA statistics show that assaults against police have been rising dramatically in this mm-hmm. state. Um, I think it's important to remember that, you know, by and large, we are blessed to have the people that we do, the men and women that we do in this profession, that are still willing, despite all of these challenges, despite you know, all of the negativity, a lot of the hate, the broad brush with which they get painted, they are still willing to uh, go to work, put that uniform on every night, knowing that they may not come home to their loved ones and put their lives on the line on behalf of people in our community. So I, I think uh, it just goes to show, it's a reminder that despite what people say, this is a noble profession. Um, and, and the vast majority of folks are here are here for the right reasons, uh, especially today. They have stayed because they are deeply invested into trying to make things th- this right. Um, and, and, and it's just it is an honor to be here working with so many, uh, so many deeply committed professionals. Thank you, Chief, for the time. As always, we hope to talk to you soon. We appreciate it. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.